0: Now for The Drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull.
1: Welcome back into the drive here on 93 on the Ville, Mark Ennis, Dave Skull. The phone lines they are open. 8150, 939, 3831, 939 for the UPS jobs text line. If you want to hit us up uh, that way as well, you are welcome to do so. Here as we head into really the last week, week and a half or so of the regular season for. Uh, both men's and women's college basketball, and some pretty important games coming up here uh, for both of them. Uh, so keep it here on 93.9 three nine because we're going to have all of those. And I'm um, even with uh, Louisville sort of being on the skids that they are on. I'm, st- I do admit, Dave, I'm still every bit as excited about the NCAA tournament this year. Like it has not impacted me at all. The you know knowing that for this long, maybe I've had enough time to grieve it, but like I've I've not been worried about. Louisville sort of sucking some of the joy. I can't I still can't wait for it. I'm still looking forward to it.
2: Look, I always watch watch it like crazy, you know, and, and get excited about all the games. And the second weekend is one of the best stretches in sports maybe the best sports weekend of the week of the year. Um but it does look I get sad every year. That the morning doesn't stop. Like if we're not a part of it, it makes me sad. It just does. I can't help it, but I'll still watch it.
1: Are you one of those people who tries to or thinks about adopting an uh, some other team?
2: Nah, I don't do that. I don't. I, maybe if it happens organically, but I don't. I don't do it. Not even St. Peter's. Nah. I mean, look, game by game, sure. Like if Kentucky's playing somebody. I'm probably rooting for the other team pretty hard. <laughs> but like, last year St. Peter's, like when they won the first couple, I was yeah, I was all in. I was like hell yeah, man, let's upset the apple cart. Like I'm. One thing about me is every time... This is the most accurate representation of me when, I, when Louisville is not in the tournament, is that I root for total and absolute chaos. Okay. That is what okay. I do every year. Um, same with college football. If Louisville isn't in the running for anything significant, I will always root for chaos. Always. And I can't wait for the college football playoff to be 12 teams so I can root for even more chaos. Um, that is what I will always root for. When Louisville is not involved.
1: Yeah, I'm not a predetermined route for someone else. Uh, I very much am one who, uh, you know, learns about a whole bunch of teams right when the tournament starts. Like, I, you know, I'm not. A junkie for all of these teams getting down into the double-digit seeds and such. They come tournament time, like I'm filled in on who they are. But I learn quick and I pick sides real quick. Yeah, and I it, like sorry. I love like my kids will will be like, who are we rooting for in this one? If I just have a game on the TV and they, it does not make sense to them. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't really care. We just got the game on. They don't get that. Call. They reject that. So yeah. I don't even say it anymore. I just we're rooting for that team. Yeah, I we're like,
2: rooting for the red team. We're rooting for the. I orange pick a team. side every time now. Yeah, no, like when I'm watching the game, I usually find myself. At some point, but it almost always is the lower seed, you know, the 15 seed or the 12 sure. seed, whatever. Like that's anybody that's that you
1: you always
2: root against. Kentucky, besides Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Duke. Duke. I would love seeing Duke lose. I love seeing Virginia lose. I yeah. see this. This is perfectly emblematic of what we were talking about with the. Uh, the cable discussion. Well, not just the cable discussion, the, the ACC discussion where ACC fans aren't really in the bag for other ACC teams. Like, I'm just, what teams do you root against other than Kentucky? Like, <laughs> ACC schools. <laughs> like, I want Duke to lose. I want Virginia to lose. Yeah, if UNC eight- was in it, I'd want Baycott to lose. Like, you know. Yeah, I hate those guys. I don't like them. I don't like the aristocracy of the ACC. Like all of them, right? Can and go they hate
1: hell. us. So I feel like there's nothing right. wrong with me hating them at all. I know they don't like us. Not
2: one of them likes us.
1: Right? No, I they I've, kiss it. There is no conference solidarity whatsoever no. in the ACC. In fact, I get the feeling. My sense is that for a lot of ACC fan bases, success by some other ACC school comes at their expense. Right.
2: There's like, like a, like a, the, a zero sum game.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Like yes. Exactly. I think a lot of NC State fans are like, "Oh God!" With what North Carolina did last year at the end of last year, like putting up with them and Duke is bad enough as it is, but then you have that, and they hated it, and I, I no one enjoyed virginia losing to umbc more than all of us like we all thought it was wonderful
2: that was great uh, what happened there it like locks a big part of that but no it's i don't like virginia I don't like virginia fans like i guess maybe the whole the whole thing of us being like why are we virginia's rival why has this happened you know they just put us in maryland's place but that's exactly what they did the truth is we all developed a a a fair hatred of them so maybe it worked (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we're like, why? Why are we paired with them? And now we're like, well, maybe because we're polar opposites and we don't like them. Like yeah, that, that's worked
1: out. It is kind of funny that it's only really on the football side that the like the organic rivalry happened with Wake Forest. Really, yeah. Uh, but we, I don't really know that I would say that Louisville developed kind of a like a. Fact based rivalry with anybody in the ACC, you know, an events based rivalry. Fact based, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) on the basketball side, you kind of did, on the women's side with NC State and Notre Dame. And we brought Notre Dame
2: with us. Like, well, that's our our hatred from the Big East. Like, Notre Dame, UConn, and Louisville were the top three dogs at the uh, tail end of the Big East run. Uh, So we had a history with Big East or with Notre Dame from the Big East and then kind of developed it with NC State as our other, like, women's basketball. It helps being the, the number one or number two program in a conference for developing rivalries, and women's basketball has had that. Uh, since joining the ACC, after the first couple of years at least, Louisville basketball hasn't had the target on their back uh, for, for winning reasons, other reasons maybe. Uh, and Louisville football hasn't had the target on their back outside of the Lamar you know, Heisman year. So it's, it's been a little bit of a different conversation. You know what I No, it's it's fine. You you will see if if Louisville football makes those strides this year and becomes one of the the big dogs in the ACC. I mean, I think you'll see the dynamic change, you know, but outside of being the red-headed stepchild in the conference, we haven't had that target on our back.
1: You know what I really miss? I miss in Big East days. And if this, you know, we could have this in the ACC, we just haven't had quite the same success level. Uh, but i i miss the bot like the bottom half of the big east like usf for instance you miss usf there's more (laughs) i know see (laughs) seeing louisville's coming up on the schedule and dreading it right yeah you know and i i have a good friend colin that is down there that that, you know is i think he works in the athletic department now but like he would tell me like when Peyton Seab, when he would walk out and they'd be Peyton Seab was in the warm but crap. You know, like I you know, this is gonna be not only are we gonna lose, this is gonna be uncomfortable, this is gonna be miserable. And I do miss the days of Louisville being somebody that, that other teams dread playing because of what they do to them and how it's gonna go.
2: Yeah, no, and I hope that those days come back soon. I mean I think we all miss that. Uh, you wanna be the hunted or the, the you know, you wanna be the, the the team that people either dread or are aspiring to be. Both, you know, and that's that's what we miss, and that's what Saturday night was kind of a nice reminder of what it felt like, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> um, seeing those old teams, just remembering, and like I'll f- also like following John Salzman on Twitter is the same where it's like, oh every, yeah, every week you get reminded three or four, t- like every day there's a reminder like this date in this year we were nineteen and three uh, with like four ranked wins already in a row and on our way to the final four, and you're like. I oh, missed that. <laughs> right? It's gonna come back soon, hopefully.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's so much of like tournament life that so many of younger people are missing out on right like right now and come some of these formative years that I, we need to get that back quick. yeah you know because there's there's nothing like some sort of unexpected tournament run or the rush of, of coming through in one of these high intensity, Super stressful NCAA tournament games and winning it—that like that—you live off of that as a fan for decades. You know, losses crush you, but wins in those moments—the satisfaction, this kind of the joy that whatever—it feeds you for ages. Yeah, and there are you know elementary school age kids who don't have much to draw on right now, and it's really not been like that before.
2: Yeah, no, it, we we are this the young generation is in desperate need of their their signature Louisville teams in this in this winning environment hopefully we get back to it soon for Did sure you,
1: you I know we talked a little bit about the quickly the uh, the crisis PR stuff with Alabama and stupid NATOs yesterday yeah
2: I saw I saw the, uh, the statement that. I retweeted the statement that his lawyer because uh, re- yeah. I think it gives you a lot of um he tries to un the bed he does but like the Miller's lawyer also released yeah, I saw like that. The, the fact finding and this is why I was like reticent to jump too far down the the road just like this is what we know or we think we know you yeah. know and, and and I feel like the only thing I can say to this point is that Alabama has and NATO stepped in it you know and, and Alabama hasn't handled this really well and, and I would have yeah. liked for anybody involved directly into the investigation uh, in a possible role to be sidelined you know during the investigation uh that's what i wanted uh and to your point earlier if these if what and again we'll just preface this was this is brandon miller's lawyer's statement so it is coming from a certain point of view as well but if everything that they said is fact that you know he didn't know the the weapon was in his back seat all of that stuff um if all of that's true then at that point you can reinstate him and put him back on the court, and you've done your due diligence, you know, and and everybody looks like you've prioritized the proper things in the situation, you know what I mean? Instead of it looking almost like you knew some of the facts of the case, but you didn't want to tell the public, and you would have rather all this go away, you know what I mean? Like it's it's all about the handling of it. Uh, I hope beyond hope that. The, the lawyer's statement is 100% true, uh, because I would hate for this young man's future to be ruined over some very stupid mistakes when he's 18, 19 years old. Um, I hope he wasn't knowingly involved in the homicide. That's honestly all I can say, because I, he has a very bright future. Even if he didn't have a bright future, I wouldn't want him to you know, ruin his life with this.
1: Um, yeah, I, I think the, the big thing that you... I just don't like this feeling that we're doing the... We're being sort of drugged to the finish line and being forced to do the minimum at all places to exactly keep the, to keep the basketball okay.
2: Yeah, that's and what that's, I'm saying. That's
1: yeah. a gross feeling. Uh,
2: that's and that's th- what this all feels like. That's that was my big point earlier. Like, regardless of the facts in the case, right now, I just wish I felt better about the way they handled it. <laughs> and uh, but I hope I hope he is completely exonerated. I hope you didn't have a major role in this uh, because it's a terrible story. It's awful, and somebody lost their life. Uh, situation,
1: not uh, not making light of the situation underlying it at all, but kind of along the s- the same lines. Did you see that Vanderbilt had to apologize to the student body because in the wake of the terrible uh, shooting? Uh, I hate that we're having to even make distinctions between which shooting we're talking about. But the 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 terrible shooting at Michigan State, you know, a lot of universities sort of reached out to their student bodies right away just to sort of express sympathy. Here's a list yeah. of resources. You know, here's what we're doing, etc and Vanderbilt sent out kind of this random this statement to the student body that didn't list any resources like a normal place would, would or, or a lot of the other ones had or anything like that and at the bottom it said this was this was basically um written by that chat gpt the ai thing oh god and so what Vanderbilt had done is go to the this ai thing that i was using last week to write um rap songs about basketball coaches and have, <laughs> have historical figures give the inaugural address in their style, and they'll, it'll do it. It'll write it for you. you know, I had Flavor Flay give the inaugural address or whatever, and it wrote it. It was crazy. It's Incredible. W- It's wild what this thing will do. But what it's not is warm at all. Uh, no. And just imagine the ridiculousness of being like, let's use AI to write a sympathy email and send it to our students in the wake of a, a, like a tragedy. What the hell is going
2: on, Dave? That's awful. It's awful. I mean, of all the things like And why would you put that in the email? I, I don't know. I don't I hate to laugh, but it's it's so over the top like evil corporation stuff from a from a private university, you know what I mean? Like Oh, I know. You know, just like stock a stock sympathy note. Um, is essentially the same type of thing. I like just—you can't even take the time to, for somebody, some intern or anybody, just to write like a something that sounds like it was written by a human being.
1: Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Awful. There's just like a delicious, like awful irony. Yeah, it's terrible. In in having them write it, whoever
2: them is, uh, it's the it's the it's a- it's the basic like premise for every satirical view of like the future oh right you know what I'm saying like just cold corporations with AI generated sympathy notes and everything with with yeah awful on a
1: scale of one to ten what would you say is your level of understanding of how any of that works what AI yeah
2: I have a very loose like I I like to think I, I understand basically but once AI starts learning you know and and really learning and becoming like basically self-aware and changing that's very terrifying for me i don't know it's uh the idea of it like every time i see a every time i see like uh boston dynamics and a new like robot video why are we i I don't stop with the dogs we've how many dozens and hundreds of Thousands of pieces of pop culture, with novels and movies, have we had to this point telling us that we need to stop empowering the robots? <laughs> like, please stop! Please stop doing this. It's not a good idea. Well, it is, one, it,
1: Dave. It is one of the rare instances where we have, as a as a people, envisioned worst case scenarios and made whole artistic pieces about the worst that could happen. Right. Like the and we're like. Let's do it anyway. Let's do it anyway.
2: Like, I'm sure we'll do better we
1: than this. We never do that. Like we never really think about like, well, what, yeah, what could go wrong? We actually have thought what could go wrong with this, and we're just like, yeah, we're we'll doing it anyway.
2: Yeah, like there was a
1: story. So a couple I don't of have to write ago. these sympathy emails anymore.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there, was st- there was a story a couple of years ago of like legitimate, real world, um, like very proto st- stages of it. Uh, sure, but real world, like. Scientists may be looking into trying to clone dinosaurs, <laughs> like from, oh yeah, from found DNA. Right. Which it's I'm sure they, they can't do it, and it's probably never really going to happen because the process from the books is not possible. But um, the first reaction everybody had was like, "Dude, we have made literally six movies about why this is the worst idea ever." <laughs> it's like yeah, but that's a movie. We could we could control the dinosaurs. <laughs> Such well, a bad idea, man. Eighty one fifty ninety
1: three nine. That's uh the number if you'd like to get in here, thirty eight thirty one ninety three nine for the UPS jobs text line. Uh if you want to hit us up. That way you can, uh as well. You agree with Jeff and I I think he's right about this, that while I think that it's it's probably the case that Louisville's got at least some people, you know, lined up for when the time comes, that were are we're far more likely in terms of this heavy roster turnover that we're all expecting, and should be expecting, uh, to, that it, the exits are going to hit way before the the entrances. Yeah. And if so, then have you given a whole lot of thought to maybe who you feel like, I, I really want that person to
2: leave, or I really want that person to not leave? I have a really Has hard time weeds much? getting on this the airwaves would be like, these guys got to go. <laughs> you know, like these these are the specific players that need to leave. But I can say what feels right to me right now. Like, I mean, it feels like Rose Wheeler hasn't gotten his feet under him. And I think we kind of referred to that the other day. Like, it, he seems like he's probably vulnerable. or on the list of players that are maybe not long for this team. I don't know what you do with Sidney Curry. Like, I can't – like, he's – He's got another year of eligibility. Right. He does. He could come back. He yes. could come back. Yeah. But the, everything. Uh, yeah. He could come back. I don't see how. I would how think
1: I, that Sidney Curry would be one you positively don't want.
2: To that's be. the one. That's what I'm saying. Like, if yeah. regardless of what his, his eligibility situation is like, it's man, I think his time here is over. You know, it just, it's been such a terrible year and there's something going on with him. And he's just, I, I, I can't imagine he wants to come back in this situation. Like he could use a reset and go somewhere else. But um, outside of them, we haven't seen enough of the freshmen to really make a determination on them. I would, I always lean towards keeping the youth, you know, and and, and trying to develop them, especially since they were recruited or signed at least, but by, by Kenny Payne. Um, I actually think Jalen has has really edited his game and become a really nice three point shooter on a team that doesn't have a lot of good shooters. So I don't think we push. Jalen out, you know. Uh, I think JJ's had some really, really nice development. I like Mike and Kamari. So, like, the the list of players that you bring back is getting kind of longer. And I don't know if that's – I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm talking myself into more players, and I don't know if that really makes sense with the narratives that have been this season, you know, with uncoachability and whatever. Or maybe that was really – boiled down to a couple of players and if you trim the fat on that the attitude changes quickly I don't know I don't know that's that's Kenny Payne's determination but the players I want to see like I'd rather look at it from a perspective of the players I really want to see back you know and, and I'm going to assume that L. Ellis probably moves on Same. which was his preseason plan so I'm going to assume L. Ellis moves on and tries to make money playing basketball somewhere next year um, I think the the must keeps from that list and we'll go from there, but I I really like Mike James. I think you have something there. really like Kamari. I think that he can develop into something. I mean, a core force coming back. Um, JJ. JJ. I really love JJ. I think that he could, he's could. he got a lot to bring to this team. I like Jalen and think that he's developed quite a bit, uh, but that's a Kenny Paye determination. Um, and then the freshman so devin and, and fabio i would expect to be back but i don't he, am i crazy for that no like I, I let me let me change that like i because i don't want to push them out but i don't necessarily think they'll be back because devin hasn't seen the court like i i, I can't imagine devin's happy with that so i, I use the wrong god love there.
1: him he looks like a child
2: He he does look young
1: he looks young and underdeveloped like physically yeah you know, you sometimes you see a freshman. You're like, "Holy crap! That that guy looks like a construction worker. He was like 40 years old." Yeah. And Devin Rhee is not that guy.
2: Yeah. So like, uh, let me he's let like me swap let me there. rephrase that. Like, where I I say I don't want to push out the freshman. I can't imagine Devin Ree comes back because he's he hasn't seen the court on a really bad team. You know, it's hard It's hard to go from there. You know, where, whereas I don't want to push out freshman. And I liked his game coming out of high school. I just, if you can't see the court on this bad of a team, it's going to be hard going forward when they're recruiting over you. You know what I mean? Like they, Curtis Williams and and Caleb Glenn both play similar positions to Devin Ree And you can imagine they're bringing in transfers next year. You know, so it, it's... It's going to be a hard sell for him, I think. Fabio, I don't know what they're going to do with Fabio because Fabio's had issues uh, with his classroom work. And that's been his biggest impediment to staying on the court, it seems like. It seems like Kenny's been willing to play him, but has left him like he hasn't done the right things off the court at times. So it's – I don't know what the the deal is with him. If neither of them come back, we have six scholarships open. Well, if, if Hersey doesn't take a scholarship that's six um and if, you have three guys that are committed Who's right the, now
1: you got who's Caleb th- Caleb Glenn and Williams in the in the juco kid.
2: that's right The forgot about Cron Davis um so that's so you five have spots. three more or, no, no five spots because it's it's I was counting the the two freshmen coming in okay so two
1: I freshmen agree with juco, you. that's eight that's eight yeah. so you've
2: got five spots
1: I agree with you that like part of the, the feeling that you start to feel when you go through the roster and think about who you might want to come back and who you think can help you is it does conflict with kind of the oh, these overarching narratives about why the year has gone the way that it did. And maybe the complaints about just kind of the general, like there are just guys who short circuit things. And I I do find myself kind of doing the opposite, thinking like if they're able to bring in some guys who are just, I think, mentally and emotionally more mature, to say nothing of the basketball skill, but guys who can just take it, like guys who can take being coached hard, guys who are going to give effort, even if they're not the most skilled guys, how much better some of these guys will be if they really have to go hard at practice all the time? Yeah, because I do get the feeling they don't have to do that now.
2: You know, you gotta like, for lack of a better term, you gotta wonder if there's a turd in the punch bowl. You know what I mean? Like if yes. it's one guy or two guys that are really making, they're pulling the whole team morale down or the team work ethic or whatever the vibe is down. But it also makes you wonder why they didn't get rid of them earlier. <laughs> but yeah. y- you know, whatever. I got the more I think about it with. Uh, Like, as much as I don't like to to say these freshmen are probably gone, like, I just have a hard time seeing Devin Ree back. I have a hard
1: time believing Fabio will be back. And, right and
2: right. Fabio has had so many issues off the court, rumored or otherwise, that neither of those – like, it just – anybody who couldn't – let me put it this way. Anybody who couldn't establish a position in this rotation with as bad as this team has been this year – can't really expect them to be back with, with uh especially with other players already recruited to their position. Like Devin Ree between Karan uh, Davis and the two freshmen, all three of them are wings. Like how's Devin Ree gonna find the court next year? If he couldn't find it this year, right? I mean you have to think of yeah. it that way. And then Fabio Basilia with all the issues that we've heard of, uh grades or any other rumors otherwise. Like those two guys I would probably put in the, the Rose Wheeler Sidney Curry, like those four are probably the four guys that could come back that aren't going to come back. And then L. Ellis, I think, will move on just because that was his plan preseason and he's played pretty well. Uh, those five guys gone. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of room, even with the additions, uh, the three newcomers. Yeah, I think there's five scholarships there. If you, if you, if you keep everybody else.
1: I think the everyone's expectation is a pretty heavy turnover. So I'm the thing I think that you would have to worry about, Dave. In addition to everything you just said, is let's say you convince, have good conversations with, and you're like, yeah, I definitely Jalen. I want you to come back, Mike. I want you, Mike James. We want you guys to come back. You're gonna have to sweat those guys the whole off because I would think, you know, some contenders would look at those two guys and be like we can slide those guys in here and maybe ask a little less of them
2: yeah maybe they, and they do the, really help us yeah they do a, a you give them a limited list of things they have to do and or a help. limited role and, a, and and like you said a lot of help they could really thrive like think of a guy like jalen withers if he just has to be a spot-up shooter on offense and a rebounder and a defender otherwise you know like yep. that's that's the role he could probably thrive in on a team with when he's only he's the fourth option on the court, like always. Um, but also the other factor is, if Louisville looks at their five available scholarships and they go out and get five impact transfers, how many people leave after that? Oh, because you, of the transfers? Because of the transfers. In? And I well, don't think they, you cry over any of that. You know what I mean? Because sure. you're looking to upgrade the roster, but a lot of these people that look like building blocks maybe are, are guys you could... You could you could uh, build something off of in the future. Uh, you look at it after maybe bringing in five impact guys that are going to get minutes and say, "Well, now they just look like a middling dude off of a five and twenty three team." You know what I'm saying? Like nobody is necessarily indispensable on the roster depending on who you bring in. Um, but that's the list. Like I would love to. I could. I could. Put out a list, like a power ranking, basically of the players I want to keep at different levels and tiers. Uh, I don't think anybody's untouchable. There's players I would like to keep. There's players I'd like to retain, but everything can change with who you bring in in the portal. And I fully expect them to bring in five guys that are going to play in the portal, four or five. And I think that changes the, the math for a lot of guys on the roster after that. And a lot of and fans, too, looking at it. Like if you bring in, you know, several impact guys at a certain position maybe somebody looks a little less attractive going forward you know like or a little less uh less indispensable
1: you know what i don't want i don't want a transfer small forward we have a lot of of just you know i mean we got we're talking about withers coming back and jj coming back and you're bringing in three guys that are like six that are all wings yeah yeah like enough of that we've got a lot of them yes we need (laughs) to take care of both ends of the bell curve here now Uh, we got to get our tiny guys and we got to get our really big
2: guys like let's bring in competent bigs and let's bring in guards who can handle the ball and and initiate an offense and shoot those are the priorities
1: but i think that when we're talking about roster turnover david it will be an interesting kind of test case for culture building, if that's really, you know, what's been going on, you would think, you know, if you convince guys to stay in college basketball, they're going to understand what's coming here. And I think it will be kind of a test for just how bought in they are, not just to staying in college, but to, but here, playing for you. If you get impact transfers and guys still want to stay here because they believe them, yeah. in what you're – like, that would – I think that would be – an additional, really good indicator that they, they're on the way to something good. If you know you you sign some impact, a uh, gosh, I don't know, Terrence Hunter or something like somebody like that, that caliber player this year, and and none of your guards are like, no, I'm leaving. I don't want to be a part of that now. Like, that, I think that would be great.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's a it's a fair point. I'm I'm really. I think a lot of the fallout will come after after we do work in the... Like, there's going to be some... The guys that are going to go, like, that are... And probably the four names that we've highlighted are, are probably the most likely candidates for that. Um, they are probably going to going to be gone pretty soon after the ACC tournament. And then what other fallout there might be will happen after we acquire some some guys. So it's, it's going to be a process. Like, you're going to have it come in waves. We're right off the top. You know, we're going to lose the players that are, they're just, they're that first round, you know, and maybe we get a couple of commitments early and then there's going to be some shakeout from that roster after that.
1: Texter asked this question. Uh, I'll answer it and then we'll take our last break here. Texter asked the question, do you think the women going all transfers with limited freshmen is, is that Walls's theory seems to be his talking point at times. And does KP do the same? Uh, I think the, you're still going to see, higher end programs like Louisville still go after elite young players like out of high school but what you're you're going to see a change everyone makes especially high end schools they ha, they are going to take far fewer risks like the biggest yes. loser in the transfer portal and immediate eligibility is is Zach Price is Stephen Van Treese is somebody is uh, mango? You know, mango doesn't happen for Louisville in the transfer portal world, where you sign a guy knowing he cannot help you for the first year or maybe two, but that you're going to take a shot that I can build on him long term and have him be really helpful for us down the road. No schools are going to do that anymore. They're just going to get somebody out of the portal who's far more of a known quantity. And there's a good article uh, to answer this this specific texture in the Athletic today, where they. Uh, Brandon sat down gosh, I can, uh, Reynolds I think is his last name sat down with, with John Shire and he, yeah. even John Shire was like we're going to start recruiting differently everybody who wants top shelf guys and wants to contend every single year the Blue Bloods with the highest expectations they're still going to go after their big guys it, out of high school and then instead of taking a shot on guys at the lower end of the top 100 they're just going to bring in transfers that they feel are more mature and are more known and you're, fewer of those guys are ever are going to have to they're going to have to get to Duke via transfer instead of having them take a chance on them as sort of lowly rated high school players. That's how I think it's going to change for everybody.
2: Yeah. And, and since he, he mentioned the women's team, like Jeff had a recruiting class last year that was pretty good, but it was filled with a lot of like top 100 but not top 50 players. It was and the like, volume was good. It was like it was Ziona Walker, um, Jalen Brown, uh, Imani Lester. You know, in addition, like Nyla Harris was an impact. Freshman, but all the rest of them were kind of like Ziona Walker had a stretch where she played. But Jalen Brown played a couple games. Uh, Imani Lester is redshirt of this year. You know, like players that that are all probably high major players and and we expect something from them going forward, but they weren't impact freshmen, Uh, ranked like really between 50 and and 100. You know, Uh, I think you're going to see more of those players going to maybe other power five schools and then getting plucked after a couple of years you know and, and moving on to the top programs like it's jeff's kind of moved in that direction where i don't think they're they're going to ever bypass and stop recruiting freshmen or anything like that but it's probably going to be a little more selective to who they bring in as as true freshmen obviously we got a couple of big time local prospects coming in the next couple of classes that that i'm sure they're putting a lot of resources into um But I think it's interesting, and it's not just a local thing, I think it's national, where there's a certain amount of recruits that are going to help everybody every year in the top. Programs will always go after them, but they'll probably be more selective after that, and they won't be plucking a lot of prospects. Like, we talked about that when people were saying, well, why are you playing a core for? Why don't you just sit them this year? It's like, because you can't project three or four years of a college prospect's career anymore. You know, like, you're not, you can't, map it out and expect him to be on your roster in three years. That's not how it works anymore. Uh, You've got to either – you've got to figure out what you can get out of him now or have a shorter development window because the odds are he won't be on your roster whether he's moving on as a transfer or whatever in three years. The majority of your roster will not be the same or will not be – with you for three years, so it's 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 a different way of looking at roster building. It's a different way of looking at development. Uh, but we've been trending in this direction for a while, where I think that more and more top programs will leave spots open, yes, for transfers, than like just fill out every tra- every roster spot or every scholarship with freshmen. Uh, and some of that will work itself out because you will have transfers out every year too. But that's just the nature of the beast now.
1: The other thing that I think is going to happen and it's going to be different for everybody is the the expectation is going to be the feeling. I've always felt like, Dave, because you only take like one, maybe two guys at a certain position in in basketball recruiting, that it's very high risk. Mm -hmm. You know, like you, you target the guy you want. You don't get him. Well, everyone else has targeted the one guy they want, and now you're second to whoever. Like You either get your guy or you're screwed, and now you're not. The expectation is like, yeah, you might miss out on your guys, but you're going to be able to sort of blunt the force of that by getting in the portal and getting involved with somebody else who maybe is not as good, but they're not zero, not you trying to scramble to find somebody who, who really has no business plan for you but that you would be willing to take in a pinch. That's Those days are over.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: All right, let's take our last break here, Dave. We'll come back. We'll put a bow on this one here on the drive when I turn the bill. Be right back.
0: Atletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into The Drive
1: here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Dave Skull here. If you want to try to squeeze in, you can. 81.50, 93.9 did want to update everybody. Louisville, uh, when we... Last updated, you was down eight six. They came back and defeated Xavier
2: twelve, 12 to, eight. to eight. Big uh, bottom of the 8 there for them. Yeah, went from run. being down
1: uh, to uh, to up, and uh, well, they the tied it. And it was then tied to, at eight
2: they, after seven innings, and then they had a they had a four run, eighth inning, put it away,
1: and they win twelve to eight now to improve to four and oh, and I think you should buckle up. Uh, for these games this year, well, Louisville, I think, irons out and works through its pitching rotation. You know, I think it is it is very much a trying to figure out who the people are, not figuring out if they have the people. And while they work through all of that, uh, when it comes to the pitching part, they got bats, and they're going to score runs in just about every game.
2: And also, midweek games are just – Touch and go too, because they're usually bullpen experiences, or you're you're starting a freshman. That's what yeah. like that's just kind of how it works out during the year. The you've got the weekend rotation with your Friday starter, Saturday and Sunday, and then the the week is for your fourth starter or a freshman, or sometimes they put together a bullpen rotation. So it's it's always touch and go with the midweek games. And they're not always completely indicative of how your your pitching rotation will be.
1: It's kind of uh, interesting to watch what the Ravens are doing uh, right now. But they, you know, they hired Todd Monken, who had been at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Now his most of his background is the NFL here, but he was coming from Georgia. You know, T. Martin is on the staff now. He was just named the QB coach now. Uh, T. Martin was, yeah. And they hired Willie Taggart to be the running backs coach today. Uh, so the Ravens have three most recently college guys uh, now on their offensive staff there uh, for for John Harbaugh. I'm fascinated by what is going to happen there i i have this feeling that the ravens really don't want to pay lamar and that they're it's weird why would you say that <laughs> yeah, i think that they are hoping somebody will offer them picks yeah uh to move him and i did see mike florio throw out there that one possible scenario uh one place that does have some assets to work with that might be interested in is washington
2: that's interesting to me
1: with eric Bieniemy now as the offensive coordinator there uh now that they are about to be sold to somebody else presumably i would guess jeff bezos yeah uh, i would feel way better about lamar going there than i would have languishing for dan snyder
2: yeah no i'm good especially the eric bianney thing is interesting to me um we've discussed why that would be because he was bandied about as maybe a ravens candidate for a little bit yep um Daniel Snyder would have been the biggest impediment for me. Like I don't want any of my absolutely <laughs> former Louisville players to be anywhere, or anybody I care about at all, to be anywhere close to Daniel Snyder. Uh, but the fact that he's selling the team uh, is uh, is a good thing, and he won't be involved anymore. Look, I just want Lamar to have the best chance to thrive and be who he can be, who I believe he is, and the quarterback. I think most people in NFL media can see like, look, you either have a quarterback in the NFL or you don't, right? And the Ravens, I think, are going to understand pretty quickly because they, maybe they're looking at their their past like, well, we won a, a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer and then we won one with a Joe Flacco. But Joe Flacco had an unreal postseason run that year. Uh, Trent Dilfer had one of the top two best defenses of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not typical. That you can do that, especially not in the modern NFL. Like the NFL now, from when they won with Flacco, what twelve years ago or whatever, is not even the same. You know, it's just not the same game. And if you don't have a high level quarterback now, you can't win titles, and you can't compete regularly.
1: Yeah, the days of like Trent Dilfer, he might have been the last one. Yeah, Rob
2: Johnson, or you know, like or
1: Brad. I'm talking about Super. I'm sorry, Brad Johnson. yeah. Yeah, teams who won the Super Bowl like around their quarterback yeah they're out there yeah they've happened but i don't know that they'll ever happen again you know, it's Jimmy been more G, we kind of got the closest right more and more scarce
2: you know and and now i think it's it's damn near impossible um like because even like i said the flacco was an unreal run that wasn't it was atypical to joe flacco's career where he had what 14 touchdowns and zero interceptions in the yeah. postseason you know and you look around the league right now and it's very much a have or have not like there's a lot of teams that have quarterbacks there's more teams that don't and really the contender line nobody above nobody who you consider a contender is lacking a quarterback like look at the afc right now the afc east the bills have a quarterback <laughs> the Dolphins, I think you can say, have a quarterback with Tua's season last year, even though they're well, still they, shopping. They've got to decide. They're still shopping. Yeah. You know, like it feels like. Patriots don't. When you, when you split time between Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi last year, you don't have a quarterback. The Jets don't have a quarterback as of right now. Talk about the AFC North. The Browns, we'll see, because Deshaun Watson didn't really light it on fire. Like everything else aside about him, but he's been very good. So we'll say they have a quarterback. The Bengals have a quarterback. The Steelers don't. The Ravens do right now, but aren't willing to spend on him. The AFC South, the Jaguars have a quarterback. The Titans are not sold on their quarterback or trying to get rid of them or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the, the Texans don't have a quarterback and the Colts. you know draft will they're gonna draft will levis they don't have a quarterback nobody who i've said so far that doesn't have a quarterback is a contender you know the chiefs have a quarterback the chargers have a quarterback the broncos not really anymore (laughs) russell wilson was god-awful last year i don't think you can say they have a quarterback anymore and the raiders just cut Derek carr like anybody who doesn't have a quarterback i'd say that we said six or seven teams in the acc have a quarterback or the afc have a quarterback those are the contenders. Everybody else isn't.
1: Yeah, and I don't think you have to have an all world guy to win a Super Bowl. But he can't be nothing. You can't you can't play around him like
2: you said earlier. Like you yeah. can't
1: Like I think there's a real you can make a real case that like Dilfer is like the worst
2: quarterback to ever win the Super Bowl. Like yeah. bad. Well, I mean Jim McMahon was bad. He was it, he wasn't yeah, good. You know, yeah. like there's a couple of quarterbacks in the eighties that won Super Bowl. Jeff Hostetler. Yeah.
1: I don't think you can win with that guy anymore. But I don't think we're talking about like you have like, you have to have a quarterback that has like you win because of him like the Bengals where like, Burroughs, like what makes them go the Chiefs the, yeah. the Bill like I think a Flacco kind of guy can, still win it. But I he just can't be a thing where you try to hide him.
2: He doesn't dumb, have to, there's no
1: Bob Greasy's anymore
2: right like he doesn't have to be ridiculous from beginning to end. But when you when you ring the bell. He needs to be able to answer it, you know what I mean like in certain situations and and game defining moments, so it's I think the Ravens are gonna realize pretty quickly, especially since their defense is good but not it's not two thousand ravens you know they
1: that's not well, what and the Ravens are. have never embraced like being a gr- like being wide open offensively no they never
2: that hasn't been their their um that hasn't been their their franchise identity since moving to baltimore but if you're
1: thinking about your future as a franchise on a year in a year-in-year-out basis and you look right over there at a cincinnati team that is a nightmare yeah as long as they can afford to keep them for the next 10 years as long as jamar chase and joe burrow are there you got problems you gonna have to keep up offensively i don't know how you're like now nah, we're gonna let lamar walk and i don't get uh, it i Go out onto the uh, the free agent market or, or try to draft somebody
2: else and hope that you get what? Lamar Jackson right and like Mar- the Steelers don't have a quarterback right now, but they do have a coach. You better hope they don't figure out the quarterback position too. or it's going to be a long decade coming up. you know like they need to figure it out like they've got a top 10 quarterback in the league that's conservative. you know they've got one sitting there. Pay him. He's unique. There's nobody else that can do what he does. There are a bunch of other teams trying to draft Lamar Jackson right now. We're trying to develop him. It's just, it, it blows my mind. And I I think you're right. They're probably hoping maybe they do that uh, that limited franchise tag where other teams can match and, and they, they get compensation. Yeah. yeah, They get compensation. I think a couple of first-round draft picks or something. Um, they're probably hoping for something like that. And I I think that if it goes poorly for them, which the odds are, it probably does. If they move on from Lamar Jackson, then their fan base is going to lose it. (laughs) You know, there's going to be a lot of revisions. Like most of their fans are, are are Lamar Jackson supporters, but there have been some that have you know bought the the company line hook line and sinker for the last year yeah. uh and i think that there's gonna be some revisionist history if they move on from lamar jackson and end up getting burned by whoever the hell they have to draft to and develop
1: and, and just thinking about being a fan of a team in the nfl or in uh the nba there is there's nothing fun nothing cool nothing enjoyable about cheering your team doing something salary cap savvy. Right. That's not fun. You know, like, if, if you're a Ravens fan and you're trying to talk yourself into, like, yeah, we moved on from Lamar so we can get that quarterback on that rookie deal. Like, man, shut up. <laughs> like, that's not fun. <laughs> stop having caring. Having an water. awesome
2: quarterback is fun. <laughs> stop. Stop it. Stop, stop rooting on the accountants. I hate Quit people <laughs> do that. <laughs> yeah, Texter makes a good point. The Eagles won with Nick Foles a couple years ago. That was a magical run. Yeah, Foles. But you know what? That wasn't even what we're talking about, though. Like, he yeah. chucked it. He did. No, he made a lot of plays. Like, it wasn't – they didn't have to hide Nick Foles, you know, in that run. He was played really well.
1: Oh, they relied on him. No, I yeah. I, 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 think you're – To the point where they thought he that.
2: might be the answer, you know, as a franchise quarterback. It turns out, you know, he, when he's one of those guys that the longer you set him in the chair, the, the worse it looked, you know, but – by the way,
1: I don't think for a, a moment that they're like it's not lost on me that like that there's something divine about like Brady having this unbelievably long and successful career, and that mm-hmm. when he looks back at like, the people he lost the Super Bowls to, it's Eli Manning and Nick Foles.
2: <laughs> Eli Manning will be a Hall of Famer whether we like it or Whatever. not. <laughs>
1: for some reason,
2: I mean, his stats prove it out just because of the I era guess. he played in. They yeah. do, and he's got two Super Bowl rings, so it's. He is the lesser Manning, but he will he will be in the Hall of Fame. And Just it's like other Troy
1: Aikman, <laughs> who's also in the Hall of Fame, but not. You know what I mean? Like Troy yeah, Aikman, Eli's I think is so much
2: better than Troy Aikman. I know
1: Troy's, guys. If you, Troy is like the end of that era, he
2: is. He is. Where
1: you look back and you look at his stats, you're like you.
2: And it's not lost on me that era matters. You know, it's not. Oh, like, I know. It's it's not like uh, you can look back and like. Autogram stats or Johnny Unitas, and, and and look at them through a modern prism. But it it's it's still like I watched those Cowboys teams. Aikman was fine, but he I mean, he was surrounded by Hall of Famers at every position. <laughs> like,
1: Matt Ryan has more than double the career touchdown passes that Aikman had. Yeah, no, uh, Matt Ryan. are silly. Dave Craig had a more touchdown passes in his career than Troy Aikman did. That's wild. That's wild. Look up Dave Gregg, uh, kids. He's He <laughs> looked big. like a child in an NFL uniform.
2: Spend quality time looking up Dave Gregg.
1: <laughs> Don't
0: do that, kids. You'll end up on a list. All
2: right, that's going to do it for us here.
1: You've been listening to The Drive on Time the bill. See you.
0: Looking for work, better pay, better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. To score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com.